Every loss can be a quote unquote good loss if you'll learn from it. And every one of them can be wasted if you don't learn from it. If you just do the same thing and don't look back and say, why did we lose that game? Uh, Then it's wasted, but you just don't ever want to waste a loss. Welcome to Why West Texas, a show about the incredible people and amazing places in our region. This podcast will tell the stories of influencers who have tapped the towering potential of the flatlands. Welcome to Y West Texas. I'm Cade Wilcox, your host, and today we are joined by Kevin Nelson. Kevin is a lawyer, CPA, an entrepreneur, and a real estate broker. He and his family live in Amarillo. Kevin, thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, I'm great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so uh, I, I wonder uh, if uh, most people know you uh, by the by the mayor's uh, of Amarillo's husband. Is that do you get that a lot? That's become my most popular title recently, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was I was thinking about who I wanted to have on the podcast next, and and you might you came up. Um, I'm sure a lot of people uh, naturally want to talk to Ginger, and I've been around Ginger and have been in events where she's spoken, and that's com- uh, completely understandable. But I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last uh, several months, and uh, have been really intrigued by your story and uh, your vocational path. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that our listeners today get to uh, get to know you a little bit. So thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's kind of interesting. I actually ran in with uh, Laura Bush was in town the other day in Amarillo, and we had the opportunity to speak with her. And Ginger said, um, Mrs. Bush, I'd like to introduce you to the first man of Amarillo. And of course, Mrs. Bush was very intrigued by that. And she asked me a really pointed question, which I have been kind of resonating on. And she asked me directly, are you taking that role seriously? And uh, the answer, of course, is yes, but I'm like, I should step up my game. Uh, It's an official role, and uh, it's more than just being supportive as a spouse. There's some things that maybe I could help uh, the city with as as the first man. So I'm I'm happy to be known as that for this season. That would be really intimidating, particularly coming from someone who was like, you know, the ideal first lady, in my opinion. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I have heard these little jokes. It's not the appropriate time to say, you know, I have Ginger the second female mayor of Amarillo and her the first mayor um, was Deborah McCart the first female mayor and her husband Joe Bob McCart is a real cut up and he used to say that he was the mayor's arm candy and that was his role <laughs> and, uh, but I, I don't think that's what Mrs. <laughs> looking for, <laughs> for uh, me. I don't know Ginger well but you know she's she's pretty serious I don't think she's gonna go for that yeah, I don't think she and Mrs. Bush wanted to hear much about that. <laughs> That's great. Well, why don't why don't you uh, share with us a bit about where you're from and your background and, and just a little bit about your story? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in Spearman, Texas, and I'm one of the few people that was actually born um, uh, and raised in Spearman. And I say that because the hospital only delivered babies for a short window there. And uh, it was a window that I was born in. So uh, I was born in Spearman. I grew up in Spearman. Ginger actually grew up in Spearman, too. So our old uh, joke is that we don't remember meeting, uh, but I do remember noticing. I noticed her in junior high. Uh, but I've pretty much known her my whole life. Uh, she was a year behind me in school, 
but once you kind of start mixing uh, the grades and whatnot, we got to know each other over the years. We started dating in high school. Uh, my family um, does the same thing that a lot of families in small towns do. They do a lot of different things. So my dad's a farmer and a rancher. Uh, he got into real estate um, appraising in the 80s. Uh, and my mom had a retail store. She had a clothing store there in Spearman. As we were growing up, um, my mom and dad are both Texas Tech Red Raiders. Ginger's mom and dad are both Texas Tech Red Raiders. So I got, I went first and, uh, and I picked Texas Tech and Ginger then followed. So uh, she didn't do it grudgingly. Uh, she's happy to be a Red Raider as well. Awesome. And so we kind of continued that tradition after uh, after undergrad we uh, went to Dallas I worked as a as an accountant in uh, in Dallas with Ernst and Young for a year um, and then uh, decided that we wanted to ginger had started law school at SMU uh, because that was really our only choice when we moved to Dallas uh, we got married right after we graduated from college uh, and so she started law school at SMU and um, had preferred to go to Texas Tech actually and you know, I wasn't the best accountant in the world, but I knew that when my salary was less than her tuition as an accountant, we should probably look <laughs> for a different option. So we came back to Lubbock and uh, it was, you, you say two for the price of one, but it was really less than that. We, we both went to law school for much less than the price of her just going to law school at SMU. We're very pleased with that. And then moved to Amarillo after law school, started with a couple of different firms. She with the Underwood Law Firm, me with Mullen Horton Brown. Law practice was business transactions and real estate. Always liked real estate. Picked up a real estate license in college as I was doing appraisals with my dad. Uh, fast forward, started doing, you know, I kept my, my CPA certificate. I got that while I was uh, in Dallas working for the accounting firm. Um, and then I started doing some real estate transactional work here when I left my law firm and started uh, our own practice um, in 2003. Uh, continued to do real estate. And uh, then I invested in a real estate brokerage company, picked up my broker's license. So kind of I'm collecting licenses, I guess. But that's a, <laughs> like that's a an good overview. Lawyer, like a good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> and now actually, I mean, it's kind of funny. Now my real estate has led me into uh, really not practicing much law anymore. Um, just doing real estate and my real estate has led me into the hotel business. So now um, we're hoteliers, among other things. We have a hotel called My Place Hotel in Amarillo, we have the uh, same one in Lubbock at 62nd in Milwaukee, and uh, we're working on one in Fort Worth now. So that's, that's awesome. So did you did you always imagine becoming a lawyer? I mean, what what uh, what kind of led you down your vocational path? I mean, it sounds like you know you love to learn. I mean, you've you've got a lot of degrees and certificates, and you've done a lot of schooling. Um, yeah. You know, you've constantly challenged yourself. I mean, uh, have you always have you always been this way? Um, I have not always thought that I would be a lawyer. I have the, I do think I've always been um, interested in learning. And it's funny, I think that's one of the best things that came from a small town. I know you can relate to this coming mm -hmm. from a small town. Um, you know, you, you become somewhat of a generalist in a lot of ways because you have to do everything. So if there's going to be a student council, you have to be on it. If, you're, if there's going to be a 4-H program, you have to participate in it. If there's going to be, you know, student-led programs of any kind, I mean, you just do everything. So, I mean, I remember in college, my... Uh, one of my roommates played on the football team and uh, he was like, you know, playing on the football team and being a student is a lot <laughs> and yeah. it is a lot. And he's doing it at a very deep level. And he would look at me and he's like, man, you just kind of do everything. And <clears throat> the truth is that's, that is sort of the way it works in a small town. You, you do a little bit of everything. <clears throat> so I came from that background of being willing to do a lot of different things all at once 
And I loved, you know, being opportunistic. That's one of my core values is to look for new opportunities and to learn and to grow. And so the way the law school thing worked was, um, I don't know. It's kind of a funny story. It's just a little bit of a long story. So I don't know if you want to hear, you know, it, but love bottom to. line is, um, no, I, I didn't always plan to be a lawyer. I was gonna, you know, we went to, went to Dallas. Uh, I accepted a job with Ernst and Young. And the day that I accepted the job was the day that I proposed to Ginger because I didn't feel like I should propose until I had a job. <laughs> so she said yes. And uh, we moved to Dallas after graduation um, and just wasn't a great fit for her at SMU. It was very expensive and she had preferred to go to tech. And so we, uh, I had, was blessed at the time. There were six accounting firms, six big six accounting firms, is what they were called. And I had an offer from all six of them in Dallas. And so I had relationships with each of them. Well, we want, decided we want to come back to Lubbock. And at the time there was only one big six accounting firm in Lubbock, it was Coopers and Libran. And so I reached out to my contact with Coopers and Libran in Dallas and said, Hey, this Dallas thing's not working as well as we had hoped. I think we'd like to come back to Lubbock. Ginger's going to transfer to tech law school. And, um, is there a position for me in Lubbock? And he said, sure. Why don't you come on over to the Dallas office of Coopers and Library in February of that year. And uh, then in May, you can move to Lubbock and work in the Lubbock office. I said, great. Well, I made all that transition. We get over there to Coopers and Library and Ginger finishes her first year at SMU. And in May, I get a call that they're closing the Coopers and Libran office in Lubbock. And so uh, I, I said, well, you know, we're already committed. And they said, but you can stay with us through the end of June when the office actually transitions to a local office. And uh, I said, OK, well, I'll stay till June and then I'll look for a different option. And the different option became law school. And there's a whole nother story with that. But Ginger's dad was a lawyer and he didn't practice directly. You know, he didn't have a traditional practice. And he always encouraged Ginger and he encouraged me too at that point. Uh, that it's a great degree, whether you practice law or not, you won't regret having it. Uh, so it was a, an opportunity. Ginger was already there and um, the, the opportunity presented itself and we took it and I don't regret it. I'm that's really cool. glad that I have that degree. Yeah, that's awesome. So we, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times being from Spearman, a uh, small, small town. Uh, what, when you think about your experience there, when you think about your family still being there, uh, what do you think the biggest influences of of growing up in a small town? You mentioned, you know, learning how to be a generalist because you're involved in a lot of things. But what other aspects of being from a, a rural community do you think has really impacted uh, you and and Ginger as as you've you know uh, kind of gotten to this point in your life? Well, there's a, there's a lot, and uh, it's hard to to summarize them. But I think I'd probably go with three. Um, and you know, they they may sound a little cliche, but they're just true. <laughs> you know, it's just the way it is. So I've already mentioned, you know, being a generalist and um, being involved in everything. So, you know, the if the church is going to function, then someone has to do it, and it's a you know, it's a small community, smaller church, and so you have to do all of the things that a church is going to do. Same thing at school, same thing with uh, even retail. My mom had a retail store. Well, if they're going to be retail stores in Spearman, I mean, someone has to do it. Right. Uh, and so that's just kind of the way it works. So being a generalist would be one work ethic, of course, is um, a big one. And, you know, I saw my dad and Ginger's dad's the same way. Ginger's mom too. They, you know, they had their hands in a lot of different things. So you w you weren't defined by your profession so much because you had to be willing to do other things. So right. my dad, you know, start off with being a farmer and a rancher. So that's like the starting spot. Yeah. You know, a lot of people would say, no, I'm a farmer or a rancher, but up there you're a farmer and a rancher. Um, and then from there you go into other things. So for Ginger's dad, it was law and oil and gas. And for her mom, her mom had retail stores as well. So, but all of those things required a tremendous amount of work. I can't remember my mom coming home 
and cooking meals uh, for us and having family time and then going back to her retail store to do the books. So, and of course my dad, you know, it was, if it was sunny, if, you know, if there was light outside, he was outside working. working. So it's just the way way it worked. But the third thing, so being a generalist work ethic, but the third thing that is just driven home in such a powerful way is community. And it can be a, it's such a positive. It can be a little bit of a negative because you can't get away from each other. I mean, everybody knows everybody and you're with each other all the time. I mean, it's not like you can go across town and say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to act foolish tonight and no one's going to know. No, if you act foolish, everyone's going to know. And I also learned that in high school when I tended to act foolish every once in a while. And I was always amazed. Well, how in the world did my mom and dad find out so fast? Well, it wasn't that hard. So the community thing, though, is and, you know, it translates. So now in a larger community, you still find community, but you find pockets of community and uh, it's all the same. So whether your your pocket of community is church or a civic club or a work or whatever, it's all community. It's just, you know, magnitude is a little different. Yeah, that's great. I um, I, I love hearing that and, and would agree, you know, uh, being great, born and raised in Nazareth. Um, yeah. I, I resonate with all, all the same things. Of course, Spearman makes Nazareth look like, look like a major city, you know. <laughs> well, we were still very happy with, you know, playing Nazareth. I can remember playing Nazareth and actually the boys, our boys, we, our basketball team, we beat Nazareth, which was a big deal. And the girls played in loss, which was also not surprising. And the bus ride home was really tense because we we're like, hey, we just beat Nazareth. <laughs> we're excited. <laughs> well, I want to make sure Daniel so edits that part out because uh, I, I don't know that I want people to know that, that Spearman beat Nazareth. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was just once and it was a long time ago. That's great. That's great. What, uh, who's been the greatest influence in your life, either personally or professionally? And, you know, what kind of impact did they have on you? Yeah, well, it's going to start with my mom and dad. Um, again, not to sound cliche, but they were such great and still are such great role models for me. They introduced me to um, so many important things. They introduced me to the Lord. And that I was telling someone the other day that, you know, it's sort of like saying someone said, well, how, how did you get introduced to the Lord? And I said, well, that's sort of like saying if you're close to your grandmother, tell me about the first time you met your grandmother. Well, I never met my grandmother. Right. My grandmother was just always there. And that's really the same way it was with the Lord in our in our household. The Lord was always there. My parents invited him in and then they introduced me to him through that. And so that's the single most important thing that my parents did, but they did so much more than just that. They've introduced me to hard work. They introduced me to a great disposition. I mean, it was funny to, when you blend families, even though Ginger knew our family really well, but by the time she actually married into the family and started spending time with the family, you start recognizing, you know, slight differences and just temperament and demeanor. And, uh, boy, what a, what a great role model. My mom is so positive and so optimistic. And my dad is so steady. Um, and so even, um, handed and tempered and, uh, it's just a, it's, it's very, you know, aspirationally, I I would like to be as optimistic as my mom and I'd like to be as even tempered as my dad. And uh, I'm still working on that. So, but my parents were huge influences and, uh, and I can't say enough. And then as I got to know, um, Ginger's family, they've been tremendous influences. I mentioned, uh, Ginger's dad encouraged her, but also me about law school. And Ginger's mom is incredibly hardworking and, and very optimistic as well. She takes on everything she does with such gusto. And, uh, and they, of course, uh, welcomed me into the family. And that, that's the benefit, we jokingly say, of an arranged marriage. They knew what they were getting into <laughs> when they uh, said yes early on. That's good. Oh, that's good. So, but, but our parents have been tremendous influences 
personally. That's for awesome. So, yeah. so you guys are, you know, you know, when people look at that, you and Ginger, they, they see extremely successful people. Um, and I'm curious at like, what keeps you motivated? You know, do you ever, you know, wrestle with this idea of kind of coasting or, you know, what, what really drives you to excel at your work, um, investing in your, in your community? I mean, what is it, what is it that motivates you and drives you? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, I think it's probably a sense of identity, which is a little bit counterintuitive because some might say, well, you get a sense of identity from being successful or from pushing hard or whatever, but that's not it at all. It's just the opposite. I, I, I am comfortable with my identity. My identity is in Christ, as I already mentioned, and, my, and I have tremendous faith. And I jokingly say, um, and I've said it to Ginger, who's a little more risk averse than me. Um, <laughs> he's a little slower to take a risk. But we used to say a lot early on in marriage, I would say, we know how this story ends because we have faith. I mean, I know how the end of my existence ends and ends in eternity. So I'm free to make a bunch of mistakes between now and then, right? I'm free to just give it a yeah, try. Absolutely. And, it, and I'm going to make tons of mistakes. And I have made tons of mistakes but I'm not, and, and yes, some of them are very painful and I would love to take some of them back, but none of them define me. And because of that, I'm, I'm willing to try new things. And, uh, and if they work, you know, that's fantastic. And I'll try again. And if they don't work, I'll just dig in and, and try harder, but none of those things, um, define me. And I think that actually, allows me the freedom to try new things and uh, gives me the abilities. Um, you know, it's not that it's consequence free. I don't want you to hear that, but it is, um, the consequences are lower because this is not, you know, what I'm doing professionally is not at all the most important thing I've got going. Yeah, I think that's really profound that, you know, because your identity is not wrapped up in your work, it's actually the very thing that allows you to to be motivated and and take risk and 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 you know, do everything you can to be good at your work. And uh because your identity is not wrapped up in it, then then uh you know, you're free in that. And so I think that's that's really profound, that's really good. You know, speaking Thanks. of challenges and 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 uh, you know, failure, what what uh, what what's some failure you have experienced um in in your job in your life? And what kinds of things did you learn from it that you feel like have really shaped you? Well, you know, there's, uh, there's so many, <laughs> you know, where, where do you start? Uh, but I can tell you three come to mind. So I'll, I'll try to focus in on these three. Um, the first one was whenever we, it was a real leap of faith. Um, when we left the accounting, when I, when we left Lubbock to I mean, we left Dallas to go to Lubbock and then the whole accounting thing, you know, was a transition. I could have found, I could have stayed in Dallas and continued to do accounting and that there's an element of that, that felt very safe, but, um, it wasn't, it didn't seem like the right thing. And so we took that chance. We took that risk. Well, then we get to law school and law school is kind of funny. I, I didn't realize exactly how it worked when I got there, but you go all semester and there's just one test, one test at the very end. That's it. You have no idea how it's going. Um, there's one class, a legal writing class that has a couple of assignments during the semester, but everything else is at the very end. So, you know, we get through the, the practice test. We do a practice test halfway through in law school. 
Um, and we also had a writing assignment in this legal writing class. And my first writing assignment in the legal writing class didn't go that well. And my practice test actually didn't go that well. And so I'm thinking, wow, I have made a huge mistake here. I hope I haven't made a huge mistake um, because it's costing me something. Even though my job wasn't like a super high paying job, uh, as an accountant, it was a good job with a big six accounting firm. And I could multiply that salary by three and say, okay, that's hard dollars of what it's costing me. Then you add tuition to that. I mean, this is real money that I have at risk and, I, and I'm not sure how this is going to go. So that was really a gut check. And it was just another opportunity to, to exercise what I just described, but you know, which my identity is not in whether or not I do well in law school or not. Right. My identity is in, in something else. And so it motivated me, but it calmed me down too. And ultimately I did, you know, very well in law school. I was very pleased with the outcome um, of how that all worked out. But that first half of that first semester, uh, it was, it was pretty tense in my mind. Yeah. Of, Man, I hope I didn't make a big mistake. Right. Um, the other thing is when I left the law firm, so we had this, I had this great position with Mullen Horton Brown here in Amarillo. Uh, and I had actually, you know, I, I'd made partner early and I was on the management um, committee, which was a big deal. I was one of the managing partners at a very young age. And I'd been there, you know, about seven years when I decide that I want to go out on my own. And Ginger had already left her law firm because she was raising the kids. And so she was just going to stay home. But then she wound up practicing a little bit of law from home. And then her law practice got to be pretty big, mm -hmm. even just from home. So it all made sense for us to do this together. Um, but one of the main things I wanted to do was I wanted to do other business deals. You know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm, I'm a risk taker and I like real estate and all these other things that I wanted to do. And I'd been helping people start businesses, but I wanted to do my own business. So I left the law firm in 2003 and I told the guys it was a great run, but I want to, you know, branch out and look for other opportunities. And it just wouldn't be fair for me to do that while I'm here at the law firm. So I leave in 2003 and I am actively looking for other opportunities and other options. And it, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, it took a long time to find a business that was better than the practice of law. I mean, the practice of law is a pretty good business. I right. mean, you bill your clients, uh, you know, they, they, they're glad to have your assistance. You help them do, you know, I bought, help people buy and sell things, you know, businesses and real estate. And so I, I did work. I sent a bill. I got paid in about 30 days. I mean, not a bad business. And so it was really difficult to find another business. In fact, when I got in the real estate brokerage uh, company that I invested in, I was like, okay, let's, let me just run through this in my mind. So we're going to start this brokerage company. We're going to let everyone know we're doing it. We're going to hope to get a listing, which is going to take a while. Then we're going to hope to find a buyer for that listing. Then we're going to hope that they actually close. Then we're going to get paid. I feel like we're a long ways away from any revenue here. And uh, so that, you know, the, the time between leaving the law firm to look for new deals and actually finding some deals was a process. And, and I had a little bit of check in my spirit about, all right, is, you know, how is this going to work? This you know, right am I, am I just going to practice law now on my own? And then the third thing I'll mention is one of the deals that we're in right now, as a matter of fact, is the uh, hotels. And so, you know, it's a constant process. So we, we open the Amarillo hotel and it opens just great guns and going strong. Um, it's right on I 40 and I'm feeling really good about it. We opened the Lubbock hotel and it was slow. Um, we've turned the corner now we're doing really well. Occupancy wise, we still have a little ways to go. Um, I think we might've been a little ahead of the curve on the location. Um, and we had, 
that. We wound up with some turnover uh, at the general manager position and some other things. And Kate, you and I have actually talked quite a bit about that um, hotel and, uh, and you've shared a lot of great insight and helped a lot as we've turned the corner on that. Um, but you know, again, it's a con it's like, like I said, I mean, which one do you want to talk about? Cause yeah. I could talk about all <laughs> kinds of times when it didn't go exactly yeah. as I planned, think what's encouraging but. though, is, I mean, we could keep talking about it, but you know, what, what makes failure really bad is when you don't learn from it and when it doesn't Absolutely inform right. and shape your future. And that's clearly not been the case for you. And, and so I think, I, I think that's real instructive uh, for those of us, you know, listening and participating in this is you know, failure is going to happen. It's kind of what you do with it that really makes the impact. Yeah. And one of our favorite quotes, so Ginger's college roommate um, was Krista Kirkland, who's now Krista Gerlich. And uh, she was on the national championship team for Texas Tech, um, the women's team. And uh, she's a coach at UTA, very successful. And of course, in a very much a performance based industry. I mean, you know, they, their identity is it's hard to avoid. You That's know, right. you got to win. But her one of her quotes that Ginger and I love so much is you never want to waste a good loss. And the truth of the matter is. Every loss can be a quote unquote good loss if you'll learn from it. And every one of them can be wasted if you don't learn from it. If you just do the same thing and don't look back and say, why did we lose that game? Uh, then it's wasted. But you just don't ever want to waste a loss. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. That's really good. What would you tell your younger self? Like if you could if you could think back 15 or 20 years, you know, what would you tell your younger self, you know, as you were you were setting off to conquer the world? You know, what 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 would you say? I drive home this whole identity thing. I mean, it's a process and, uh, I, I, you know, I know myself better now than I ever have. <laughs> That's the good news, right? <laughs> but I I'll know myself better tomorrow than I do today, I hope. And so I just, it's a constant process. And it's so funny because my mom in particular would look at me as just an amazing risk taker. I mean, she thinks, I mean, she has tried to talk me out of certain risks <laughs> before, like, don't do that type of thing. And there are people that are like that. And, and so it's funny, what I'm about to say might sound crazy to my, to my mom and people like my mom, but I would tell myself take more risks because, you know, you just can't take yourself so seriously. And if I really believe in this identity statement that I made earlier, as long as I am not foolish and as long as I don't hurt other people, then why take myself so seriously? Why not? give some of these things a try. And again, not flippantly, not saying that I'm just going to try and if I fail, no big deal. No, no, no. Failure is a big deal. And I don't intend to fail, but why not give myself the chance to work it out? And if it takes me longer than I think, so be it. That's what failure essentially looks like is it just takes me longer to succeed, but I'm not going to actually, you know, quit and say, no, that didn't work at all. And I learned nothing from it. That'll never happen. And so I'll always learn something. So if that's the mindset, then why not take a few risks sooner? And, you know, traveling is a, it's funny, but traveling is kind of an interesting way to see the world. And when I started traveling a little bit more, the first time we went to Europe, I came home and I told a friend, he said, well, what was your takeaway? And I, and I said, my takeaway is I haven't been dreaming big enough. Mm -hmm. I got to think bigger. I got to think way bigger. I mean, they, they build these, they built these palaces and these churches and these cathedrals, you know, over a thousand years ago, it took them over 150 years to build. I mean, we're not thinking big enough. <laughs> Think bigger. That. That's good. That's really good. Uh, maybe, maybe one of my last questions for you is, you know, what have you learned from, from Ginger? I mean, she has a yeah. really unique role. It's, it's, it's very much in the public's eye. 
Um, and I, I'd be curious as, as you've supported her, um, as you've walked alongside her in this role, certainly contributing in your own way. What what are what are some of the things that that you've learned from her her leadership that have really maybe even changed the the way that you lead or the way you take risk or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Well, I love that you um, said earlier that it looks like I'm a learner. Um, I agree. I am a learner, but I am like a first grade learner compared to Ginger. <laughs> Ginger <laughs> is an intense learner. I mean, she is a voracious reader and she just pours in. And it's so interesting before she did not have it, she had no desire to say she had no political ambition is such a gross overstatement of the political ambition that she had. Yeah. <laughs> she had no political ambition and couple that with the fact that she's, she's an introvert, which means she's great with people, but her tank gets filled by being alone. So for an introvert with no political ambition to be called to this role and to do it the way she's been doing, I mean, it is inspiring. Like I can't even begin to explain. It is true servant leadership. She's doing it because she feels called to do it. She feels called to do it by God. And it is so fascinating. She, um, again, back to her, her, um, learning and just her style. She was just crazy about leadership for the last probably 10 years. She's just been pouring into leadership and reading about it and studying it. And she's on all kinds of podcasts about leadership. And it's kind of funny because in hindsight, you're like, well, no wonder God stirred her uh, to leadership because he knew this was coming, even though she didn't and we didn't, but she's so well equipped to truly serve in this role. And it is really humbling to watch. For one thing, she's just amazing. I mean, she's an artist. She's fluent in Spanish. She's amazing with names. She loves leadership. She's all about processes and procedure. I mean, I'm like, this set of gifts is just really unique. And I, I can see why. God would ask her to use them in this way. And I'm really blown away um, by the way she is serving. And of course, we're making, she's making, we, the city, everyone, you know, it's, it's not about being mistake free. Everyone it makes mistakes. It's all about, well, what do you do with those mistakes and how do you grow and, and how do you help the city move forward in a positive way? And I'm so proud of her. And I think she's doing an amazing job. And I am learning so much from her um, from a leadership standpoint. And there's a real tension because I'm the, you know, I'm the leader, quote unquote, of the family, but she's my mayor. So she's <laughs> the leader of my city. And so I think it's a great partnership and we've always done that's things great. Yeah, together. Definitely some exciting dynamics there for sure. It's yeah. awesome. I, I think West Texas is really, really fortunate right now. Uh, you know, I, I here in Lubbock and, you know, we have a phenomenal leader at the helm right now yes. in uh, Mayor Dan Pope. And, um, and Amarillo has a phenomenal uh, mayor in Ginger. And so I think West Texas in this region, who really depend on, on Lubbock and Amarillo in a lot of ways, are really fortunate to have two leaders who are steady, who, who, who are thoughtful, who are earnest, who uh, won't be outworked by anyone, um, who are compassionate yet strong. I mean, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to, to find a time in, in our history where we've had um, in our two major cities in this region, two leaders of the quality that we have right now. So it's, uh, it's cool that you have a, a front row seat to that. And uh, yeah. you know, being from Lubbock and West Texas, you know, my whole life, I'm, I'm really thankful Emerald has someone like her. Um, it's a lot oh, to be thankful for. 
Yeah. And, and I just want to echo what you're saying about um, Mayor Pope. We've had the privilege of getting to know him and um, he is a strong leader and several other people that we know there in Lubbock, but the partnership and of course the city manager um, we're friends with and knew him while he was, he was in Amarillo, but the partnership, if you think about what could be possible between Amarillo and Lubbock and what we can do together for West Texas and how we can basically work together to effectuate some really, really positive things. It is extremely exciting and it could be a really powerful, it is a really powerful partnership, but I'm optimistic that it'll get even stronger. Yeah, you're right. Well, this is, this has been awesome. So we have a lightning round to finish up. So really just uh, one word, one word answer is real simple here, but this is, this is always fun. So where's your favorite place to eat in Amarillo? 575 pizza. This is really good. I've heard that one a lot. All right. Queso or guacamole? Uh, Guacamole. All right. There you go. Mexican food or a good old steak? Mexican food. Okay. Favorite music? (laughs) Um, You know, I'm going to go with... uh, 80s electric and it's been a while so electric. <laughs> that's great uh i interviewed uh, coach joe, joe lombard uh, uh, a few episodes back and he he blew me away with the music one i he said lady gaga and uh, oh, no. and taylor swift and i'm like you know the like one of the best basketball coaches in the history of the game and he said lady gaga that totally threw me for a loop so well ginger thinks i have horrible taste in music and she may be right <laughs> well 80s electric i'm gonna say i can't blame her (laughs) all right last one favorite movie of all time man favorite movie of all time is gonna have to be christmas vacation (laughs) that's great another (laughs) throwing me for a loop here that's great well gavin we really appreciate you thank you for everything you do for our region uh thanks for being willing to be on our podcast um it's it's been good getting to know you over the last several months and uh, really thankful you join us today Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, Caden. Thanks for all you're doing. 